six foot six above sea level. I grab the mic because I like to take you to another mental level. Low power frequency radio modulation. The big sound from underground. We bring the truth to places. Hello and good afternoon, Madison. Welcome to a public affair on this gloomy Monday. I am your fill-in host for the hour, Jade Iseri Ramos, and I am extremely excited to be here because I'm talking about a book that I've been reading over the past couple weeks called Sex and the Single Woman. It is an anthology edited by, edited by Haley Swanson and Eliza M. Smith. It reimagines the work by um, Helen Gurley Brown, and Brown's cult classic was titled Sex and the Single Girl. I think they did a little update on the name as they released the anthology. Um, you know, I actually didn't know that I knew Helen Gurley Brown's work. Um, I had never read Sex and the Single Girl. I hadn't really touched any of her other stuff. Um, but Brown was the editor-in-chief of Cosmopolitan magazine for twenty or sorry, 32 years. And as a teen, I definitely read some Cosmo. Uh, so Brown had long left Cosmo before I started reading articles on my laptop in the dark of my teenage bedroom. Um, but I think her imprint was definitely still on the magazine. Um, you know, she is definitely attributed with being one of the first people to say, you can do it all as a woman. And um, some of her thoughts are a little outdated. A lot of sex in the single, the single girl is about how you find yourself a man. Um, and it was it was time, I think, after these 60 years for that work to be revisited with the Sex and the Single Woman anthology. So I picked this book up and I couldn't stop reading it, um, which is great because the very last essay in this book is by Melissa Falavino. And Melissa is actually coming to Madison, going to Room of One's Own later this week. And since you were in town, Melissa, we snagged you. So welcome to A Public Affair. So happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So Melissa Falavino, you are the author of Tomboyland, which was named the best book of 2020 by everyone. NPR, <laughs> the New York Public Library, Oprah Magazine, um, Electric Literature. Your work has been um, in and essays has been featured in Esquire, Paris Review, The Lit Hub, just to name a few. Um, and you're currently a visiting professor of English at Kenyon College. And um, I hadn't read Tomboyland, so I did immediately pick it up at the library. So I am going to be awesome. doing that this, that, that's my next book, um, which Great. I'm really excited for. Because this piece that you wrote in um, single in Sex and the Single Girl, is or Single Woman, is really beautiful. You are a very beautiful writer. I was very, Thank you. yeah, kudos to you. <laughs> Thank um, you so much. <laughs> yeah. And we were talking earlier, and you are... You're very familiar with Madison, so welcome back. Um, you're saying that you are in your parents' home in Mount Horeb. I am. I am, yes. It's so good to be back in town uh, in the house where I grew up right now. <laughs> uh, but I've been hanging out in Madison this week and seeing friends and preparing for this event at Room on Friday, which I'm really excited about, not least because it's my first in-person reading in Wisconsin. Wow. So, yeah. Well, welcome. So, real, it's a homecoming for sure, then. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, and room is very dear to my heart. So, Absolutely. really pumped to be there. Absolutely. So, I'll I'll make sure we plug that again. But that is six o'clock on this Friday at Room of One Zone. So, if this conversation really gets to you and you want to go, uh, go support Melissa at a room. Um, so, I, I kind of said how I. I, I wasn't familiar with uh, Helen Gurley Brown. Um, were you? What was your What was your interaction with her before you uh, were selected to be a part of this anthology? Yeah, um, I wasn't, you know, super familiar with her work. I knew about Sex and the Single Girl, but I had never read it. Um, I also uh, did a little Cosmo reading when I was a kid, um, but but that was kind of the extent of it. And so when um, Eliza and Haley got in touch to ask if I would be interested in writing um, an essay for this book. That's kind of when I went and checked out her work and, and read some of Sex and the Single Girl. And um, and it was really interesting because, you know, it is one of those things that like, you know, I knew that it was this formative, mm -hmm. super important kind of feminist treatise, you know, of, of the time. But, you know, I could imagine people of my mom's generation reading it and feeling super empowered. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it was also very limited in its scope. You know, it was targeting a very kind of white upper middle class audience. You know, it was very much like you said about like finding a man, you know. Um, <laughs> and keeping him. 
and keeping yeah how to keep them in you know like um which is really funny to kind of read in this era um for folks like us i think <laughs> but but yeah when they when they proposed the project it just sounded so awesome and important to me this kind of um not just sort of our, our an anniversary you know of this project but of this book but a, a very kind of intentionally intersectional reimagining of it and kind of thinking about what womanhood means, what singlehood means, you know, from a really broad and diverse range of voices and backgrounds and identities. And so that sounded super exciting to me. So yeah, I was down. <laughs> yeah, I was really um, pleasantly surprised by how many different people um, representing so many different identities were in this book. Um, and I felt like it really it has a lot of, yeah, whatever your identity is, I think someone um, wrote like to you in this book, yeah. which is amazing. Yeah. yeah, it's it's um it's powerful and and I think really refreshing too. Mm -hmm. And for me it was like, you know, I, I have uh complicated ideas about what womanhood means to me, you know, mm -hmm. and like what that what that word actually means. And I write about that a lot. And um and then kind of when I started thinking about what singlehood means, you know, um the ways it's defined, um it was just a really interesting intersection for me to kind of explore through the various lenses of what I'm obsessed with, which is like, you know, gender and sexuality and place and um, body and things like that. So. Yeah, well, that, that brings me to the very beginning of this essay, right? You um, start the essay, essay, you know, you're, you're partnered and you are talking about how you're filling out a tax form and you're like, well, I'm not single, but I'm certainly not married. Um, and I wonder if you can like reflect on... Um, sort of how your how well, like what's different about being in, in a long-term you know 10-year relationship but like rejecting the institution of marriage yeah you know it's that's a great question you know it really was kind of the um where I entered this piece mm -hmm. because I think you know we've all been filling out like tax forms for our whole lives and um and I, I'm always you know consistently filling out that single box and but I have been in this partnership, this committed, you know, monogamous partnership um, for over a decade. And mm -hmm. so it just sort of struck me as really strange. Suddenly, you know, like I looked at this box and was like, how weird, you know, that that I keep having to define myself as single mm -hmm. um, because I am not partnered institutionally, um, you know, which is not like a hugely revelatory um, idea, but it just it just struck me for the first time. And I found the fact that it struck me for the first time is odd, you know, like I've just been filling up this box without thinking about it for a really long time. And um, so I started thinking about it and, you know, I've, I've written about sort of um, my feelings about marriage and um, the institutions before. And so I just sort of wanted to explore it from that angle, um, you know, as a person who is in, you know, a long-term partnership, but is not married, um, and how my thoughts on marriage have changed over the years, you know, as when I was younger, feeling very vehemently, you know, opposed and mm -hmm. and now sort of finding myself in this position of like seeing the advantages and, you know, maybe considering it and and asking why, you know, what, why am I doing that? Is that cultural pressure? Is that um, because my partner, you know, is interested in that? Is it for me? You know, what is it for? Who is it for? Who does it serve? Um, yeah, so. I think um, you talk about in the, the essay like this, like seeing all the all the marriages around you either be like really horrible, <laughs> you know, really like <laughs> partnerships that you don't aspire to or yeah. um, well, or ending in divorces where your friends are then, you know, going to their dad's house for the weekend. Though I did, did think it was pretty lovely, the idea of um, you saw your your friend's dad like having a beer on the porch on a Friday and you're like that's not that bad that seems pretty yeah. nice <laughs> great <laughs> yeah and that, and that really stuck with me because it was you know I, I was writing from this writing through these memories of being a kid and and um my parents were married and they still are um and and seeing you know some some of my friends go through um divorces and um you know as kids and then now as adults you know um but that image of like being a kid and seeing this like, you know, newly single dad alone drinking a beer <laughs> with his shirt off 
you know, so much of this essay is about gender identity. And, and so like, I had that very specific image in my head and I was like, that looks better than yeah. what, you know, I'm seeing a lot of in marriages. And uh, so, you know, if that's my uh, lot in life, it, when I, when I get older, like, maybe I'm okay with that. I, <laughs> I would sit around, you know, shirtless with a beer. Yeah. <laughs> and hang out with a, a, a kids, kids, they're yours, but yeah, you, yeah. you share the responsibility of. Right. Um, so your, your essay like hit me in a lot of ways. Um, you know, part of it was this like queerness and, and marriage, and that comes up a lot in your books. Um, I wonder if you can maybe, um, I don't know, like talk through how your, your queer identity, um, impacted the way that you envisioned getting married Mm. or if, yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's something I always think about, you know, I can't not. I can't extract myself as a as a partner, you know, from um, my identity, my gender identity, the way that I I move in the world and the way that I exist in my body, you know. And um, I think that, you know, every time I think about the possibility of marriage, I think about that and how how that will, if 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 getting married, for instance, would would somehow change that, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, I write in the essay about this fear of sort of, um, you know, I'm, I'm, um, partnered with a cisgendered man and like how that, um, if I were to sort of make this institutional definition of the relationship, how that would change. Um, and there's this underlying fear of, of erasing, mm-hmm. you know, my queerness by making that decision even though I know on some level that 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 isn't true and that wouldn't happen, you know, um, I'm still fundamentally myself. I'm always going to be myself. You know, when I walk through the world, um, I don't necessarily look like a, a white <laughs> straight woman, you know, like, so most people don't see me that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't see myself that way. And, and so, you know, there's this, there's this tension between what I feel like I would be sort of, um, aligning myself with or assimilating to, um, and what I, what I might lose in that process. Yeah. Um, and that's always been there, you know, um, ever since I start started living in my body and my identity in a way that feels right to me, um, that it's always been there. Yeah. And I think always would be. Yeah. Part of the reason that this like hit me so like so hard, like a, like a truck is, um, I, I am in a, a queer relationship, you know, but the way that it, pans out like my partner and I are both queer but you know we'll be husband and wife um mm-hmm. we're, we're engaged so we're, we're in the we're in the liminal space of like partners not married but like yes. on on the journey towards um yeah. and how in a lot of ways um that relationship dynamic you know erases some of that queerness um mm-hmm. you know it has a lot of like uh you know bi erasures happening um mm-hmm. in that and then also, um, yeah, to, to be like, I have a husband and I wasn't necessarily like in my queerness, I didn't necessarily expect to have a husband. Um, right. And like also, it, you know, there's, and there's some things about that, right? Like I often talk about him as my partner and, and as my you know, future spouse, um, but that also erases his gender identity. And right. so I think that that, I, I think a lot about this, right? Um, and so you talking about how you can exist in your whole identity within that relationship and how um, you kind of had an arm out towards marriage because of, of that reason. Um, I really, it really resonated with me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, bi erasure is something that I've written about before too. And it's something that I'm always thinking about and um, it's real, you know, like it's, it's, it's really real. (laughs) It's prevalent. Um, And, and I feel this, you know, um, desire to really hold tightly to that part of myself and I, and I don't want to lose it. And, um, and, you know, so I think part of the resistance to marriage has always been about that in, in a not small way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in the, in the essay, you talk about how, uh, you and your partner had really kind of set out like, okay, well, we're not gonna, we're not gonna do it until everyone else is able to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so kind of this like landmark of, um, you know, 
the passage of uh, marriage equality passing and that being kind of the marker of like, okay, well, maybe now's the time for us to get engaged. And I wonder if like, um, can you reflect on that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was always kind of my, you know, I was sort of vehemently opposed to marriage. And then, you know, when I actually found myself in relationships with people who like I could imagine being with for the rest of my life, I, I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe I would consider this someday, but mm-hmm. you know, if if I was with a man, you know, I I still have to you know maintain these standards that like I'm not going to do this until everybody can. And you know, most of my closest friends are queer, and I've been in relationships with women before, so it's like you know I I, I wasn't gonna I wasn't even going to entertain that option. Um, if and until marriage equality passed. And then it did in in 2015. And then I was like, okay. (laughs) So, you know, my partner wanted to get married and I was like, oh, now I have to actually confront this, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think in a way, you know, I very much believed and still believe um, this, um, you know, fundamentally, but I think I was also kind of hiding behind it, you Mm -hmm. know, like kind of thinking like, well, you know, this might never pass in this country and, and then when it did, of course, it was hugely celebratory and a bunch of my friends went out and got engaged mm-hmm. or got married right away. And it was wonderful and joyous. Um, and I definitely got swept up in that. It was like, okay, now now we can do this. Let's do this, you know? And um, and so I write about this in the essay that my, my partner and I kind of like quasi proposed <laughs> to one another, but we sort of de- re- like defined mm-hmm. it in a way that felt really true to us. And it wasn't necessarily marriage, but it was commitment and... Um, but maybe marriage down the line, you know, mm-hmm. kind of defined, <laughs> but um, our own definitions. Um, and of course, now, you know, like we find ourselves in a place where, you know, I certainly, and I think most of the queer people in my life feel very vulnerable again, that like, yeah. you know, this is not a given and um, it could be taken away from us again. And um, so, so that also complicates it. And I, and I wrote this essay before it felt like, you know, um, you know, before Roe was overturned and before um, this felt like a potential eventuality. Um, so now I'm thinking of, of it from from the perspective of like, well, is this going to be taken away from us again? And what does that mm-hmm. mean? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It means we're all, we're all going to go get married. We're just going to go right now. Yeah. Um, I... We just got a, a note from our, our producer, Rochelle, that uh, a tweet got tweeted out that someone is in a lift and the driver is listening to war and they realize that and that there's this queer <laughs> queer talking about their book. And then I realized it's our, be- our beloved Melissa Felatino. And the driver was like, they're they're reading at a book of one's own this Friday. And I was like, <laughs> I know I work there. <laughs> oh my God, amazing. <laughs> uh, I wonder if it was Gretchen. I love you, Madison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where it's like I, you can't get away from how small Madison is. So we appreciate you yeah. listening, Lyft driver, um, yes. whoever we you are. And driver. we're excited to see you at the rooms event. Apparently, we're all going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that, I guess that that's a good time for me to just say if you are just tuning in, we are talking to Melissa Fal- Fal- sorry, Falavino. Okay. Falavino. She is the author of the book Tomboyland, but today we're talking specifically about her essay in the anthology Sex and the Single Woman. Um, If you want to join us, if you have if you've read Tomboyland, if you've read Sex and the Single Woman and you have thoughts to share, feel free to call us. That's 608-256-2001. I have a receptionist today, so she will take your call and pass her along. Um, And also... I just wanted to tell you a story, Melissa. I was um, reading this book in public, which is, it's for people who haven't seen the book, it is a black cover with pink, bright words that say sex and a single woman. And I'm sitting at um, a bar by myself reading it, waiting for my partner to join me. And I was feeling fine about it. Um, but as we got up to leave at the end of our, like, you know, drinks and chips, Someone stopped me and said, I saw what you were reading and good for you. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Um, Which I thought was very, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I don't think they knew what I was reading, but it it was a lot. And it was embarrassing. But I recommend reading it in, in public if you would like to. Reading a book alone at a bar 
A, is like one of my favorite things to do. Mm -hmm. um, and B, I love that it just sort of like signaled to people. And, you know, I just I just love that somebody had to comment on it. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It was also like a woman and her mom, which I thought was a very like, I mean, I, mean, I think oh. it, it's it probably um, spanned the generations of sex and the single girl and sex and the single woman, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so speaking of the book, I, I tagged something that I would like to read. Again, you are just a beautiful author. Um, we talked a lot about, just now we were talking a lot about queerness and, and the way that that plays out in relationships. But then there's also the um, the aspect of, you know, being a woman, being a woman in a um, heterosexual relationship and uh, what that looks like. Or I guess I don't know if your relationship you would consider heterosexual. I don't know. You know, whatever. Your relationship with the cis man. Um, yeah. It'll define, like, all of the things Yeah, in you know. Life. It's a relationship. <laughs> Always changing. Always changing. Um, mm -hmm. So you write, women too are conditioned to bend, to put the needs of others, men, children, anyone but themselves, before their own, to carry the weight and not break. One of my first lessons of feminism was to resist this, to be strong, independent, queer women is to defy the things that we are taught women should be, to dismantle the expectations pressed down upon us. To do this work, we fight for our desires. We put them first, even if we're called selfish, even when we believe ourselves selfish too. This is how I've been able to pursue my career, become a writer, live a life I never thought possible, a dogged focus on putting these desires first. I veered from the path of tradition, one that might have been more comfortable, more certain, to carve one of my own. And now I find myself bending. Um, beautiful. Thank you. I also love uh, hearing other people read my, my words. I just, I, that's really wild to me. I love it. <laughs> um. I, I was seeing so so you talk you go on to say that you you know love this person so much and what he would like is to be married um and and that's not something that you ever saw for yourself but you started to expand your your view and and wondering whether or not that was you seeing a new future for yourself being creative imagining something or mm -hmm. was it societal pressure pushing down on you um right I don't know do you have more on that more to say about it yeah, um, I, I love that you'd read that passage because I, I think it's one of my favorites and maybe, maybe you know, so I, maybe part of the heart of the of the piece, this idea of sort of bending and expanding. Um, it's kind of a lens that I look, you know, that I sort of examine um, gender mm -hmm. through too, yeah. and this kind of fluidity of understanding of ourselves and um, so I was thinking about if you, you get into the weeds of the essay, it's very long. I, I write, I write, I have like the long game essay writing. Mm -hmm. So um, like, as you probably know, um, like part two or yeah. deep into it, I get into uh, a tree metaphor because I love trees. <laughs> uh, and I think about like pliance, like um, the bending of branches mm -hmm. and, um, and, uh, and things like that. So um, I was looking at this idea of sort of opening up my own um, understanding or or even just like allowing myself to have an openness to considering marriage. And then also um, at the time I wrote this, um, we were also having a conversation about children. Mm -hmm. And that was another thing that I just sort of always have, have thought, yeah, that's not for me. It's not something I've ever really wanted that I ever saw myself doing. But then there are also these very specific kind of gender related um, issues along with that. You know, I'm a person with a uterus, but I don't, you know, necessarily ever see myself carrying a child or giving birth mm -hmm. to a child. That's um, actually something that is like a highly uncomfortable thought for me. And um, and so but then, you know, we found ourselves in this position where not only were we talking about marriage, but we were talking about children. Mm -hmm. And I found myself like peering down this path of thought for the first time, you know, and um, kind of like the the Marriage Equality Act, I feel like I had these very staunch beliefs for a really long time. Um, and, and most of those I stick to, you know, I, I, I really kind of feel that those are fundamentally how I feel about myself and my, my body and my future. But um, so often, I think we we don't allow ourselves to peer down those paths just to sort of interrogate what what it is mm -hmm. exactly we believe and why we believe it and and what like possibilities and options might look like so i found myself you know considering these options and looking at what a different path might be um 
But then really asking this question of like, is this something I want? Is this something my partner wants? Is this something society wants of me? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what what is it exactly that that is driving this um, this exploration? Um, and I don't know that I came up with an answer necessarily, which is very like me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm highly indecisive, <laughs> but I also really like to live in these spaces of questioning all the time, mm-hmm. much to the chagrin of everyone around me. Um, I just like I, that's where I that's where I find life to be interesting is in these these spaces of uncertainty and questioning, and um, which usually means that I just ask the question over and over and never have an answer. Um, but you know that that's sort of a big part of this essay too. That it was just sort of like thinking about opening up your ideas mm-hmm. and your um, the possibilities that your life might you know the shapes that your life might take, um, and then asking you know why wh- mm-hmm. what's driving this yeah. this exploration. You know I so so um, your your essay ends the book, and so I really I got to your essay and I was like oh this this essay in the sex and single woman is written from someone who isn't necessarily single right now in the, Mm -hmm. in the essay. And, um, but, but yet you, you are right. You're this like single person within the relationship who's very much thinking of like, what does my future look like and how can I, I encompass this person that I love and, and their desires as well. Um, and it really, I thought it, I thought it was interesting. It let me look at myself as a, a single person within my relationship too, um, and I thought that was really beautiful. So thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah, I mean that that's sort of what I wanted to explore too. This idea of, you know, um, traditionally, you, you know, if you get married, you're you become this sort of unit, and and um, that's all well and good um, if that's what you want. But you know, I'm I'm somebody who kind of as a writer, as a person, you know, I, I thrive in isolation. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like being alone. Um, I do my best work when I'm alone. Um, I like to just sort of hide in the woods and be around no other humans. And, and that's where I can kind of think and um, explore in my, in my writing. And, and so I'm, I'm always thinking about the relationship between, you know, being connected with somebody and being your own sort of um, fully autonomous, independent person. Is that even possible? Is it possible to be in a relationship and, and, and be the separate entity, you know? And, and there's so much, so many of us learn growing up, you know, I think in, especially in specific places, you know, I grew up in a, a pretty, you know, not, not super religious, but I had a lot of like religious upbringing, um, dabbled in, uh, you know, evangelical mm-hmm. youth groups as so many people from Wisconsin do, you know, and there, there's this understanding of what, what it means to be married and what it means to be a wife mm-hmm. and how, how that, you know, it's a, it's a role of service and it's a, um, a role of caretaking. And, and those were the things that always to me were like, nope, <laughs> that's not what I want. That's not what I will ever be, you know? So, you know, even if I were to get married, you know, what, what would that, what would that mean? How would, how would I define that role as partner or spouse? You know, it certainly wouldn't be wife um, as it, you know, has traditionally been defined. Um, I think I would ever be a wife, you know, both both because of like its definitions, its cultural definitions and because of my own identity. Like I I couldn't, I don't think I could be a wife, you know? It's also the, just like the, the dream world of like, I want to develop my own marriage and my own partnership and whatever that looks like. And the practicalities of, but we have to like pay our bills and like, <laughs> you know, like if we want to have kids, like they have to be cared for. And um, it's, it's almost just easy if you're not thinking about it for that to fall um, on the labor of women. Um, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, I, I think that's a, a huge plus of being queer is that you know you're already thinking about like this doesn't fit for me so you're already rearranging your world but as as things get busy and things get hard um sometimes it it is easy to stop reimagining yeah yeah and we like totally and we you know I think so many of us just um what we learn and what we see growing up you know even if we we do a really good job resisting what we learn and what we're taught um Mm -hmm. 
those things get internalized, you know, and, and, and it's interesting, you know, the older I get, the more I kind of, if I, if I'm not looking, you know, if I'm not, if I'm not working, if I'm not interrogating the way that certain like things that I learned, um, bubble up in me, you know, like that, that I think that this is my role or this is my job. And, mm-hmm. and then I have to be like, whoa, no, <laughs> nope. <laughs> like not gonna, not gonna enter this space, not gonna allow this to be, not gonna let, let these definitions define me, yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, but it's work, you know, it's work to resist those, um, cultural and familial definitions that work their way in very deeply. Yeah. And also I think like not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, you know, not throwing away the things that like are really like, I don't know, really jive with the way that you want to live your life. You know, it doesn't, I don't know. Like I think both my partner and I would like to be stay at home parents at some point, you know, if we ever have kids. Mm -hmm. And so like not just rejecting that, you know, stay at home parenthood isn't, um, isn't as worthwhile as a, as a job. Um, yeah. So not throwing away the things that like still identify or still identify with us. um, Right. It's really interesting. Um, yeah. So if you guys are just tuning in and you have thoughts about singlehood, you have thoughts about partnership, um, and you maybe read the sex and the single woman, or you've read tomboy land, um, or you just want to join the conversation, feel free to give us a call at 608-256-2001. Um, and yeah, join in on the conversation. I, so, so the burning question, Melissa, <laughs> are you, are you single, single? Are you still in a, a long-term relationship? <laughs> The question everybody wants to know. <laughs> it's been burned. Yes. You are. Yeah. I, I am still in a long-term committed relationship, still with the same person I, I was with when I when I wrote this essay. Um, you know, I, I'm, it's so funny you asked that. Like, I, I, I wrote this, you know, now over a year ago. Mm-hmm. I was living alone um, in the woods of North Carolina. Mm-hmm. I had taken a, I had a fellowship at UNC. And so I was kind of living and writing and teaching um, in North Carolina. And my partner stayed home in Brooklyn, you know, in our apartment. So we were living separately kind of half time. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was very much alone. I was very much, you know, doing my own thing, um, untethered. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, so he's still functioning as a partner in, in this relationship. And anyway, I, I wrote this a while ago. And then I was just recently revisiting it. Um, for a reading, for another reading I was mm-hmm. doing. And it's really interesting to write something and then walk away from it for a while and then and then revisit it and see how life has changed or what has changed or what hasn't changed mm-hmm. or how things have gotten, you know, um, more defined or, were, you know, Ill, more ill-defined or <laughs> have been complicated in some way. Um, but I, but I, but I was reading it and I was like, oh, I, I feel like, you know, there's this uncertainty at the end of it. Mm-hmm. And and, and, you know, it was like, oh, I wonder what happened. <laughs> I wonder what happened to them, you know? Um, I was sort of reading it from, you know, in a way that like an outsider, someone that is not me might mm-hmm. might read it. Um, so I was really happy to hear that you asked that question. <laughs> yeah, it, it was on my, I was like, oh, what is happening? And then, yeah, when I, um, I was like trying to think about where you're, you're teaching now. And I was like, well, it's not, it's not in New York. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've moved. You've moved. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, one of the things that I love about writing essays is um I think about and I talk to my students about this mm-hmm. all the time. Um, you know, they're like, what if I write something and then everything changes? You know, like what happens then? Do I go back and edit it? Do I do I have to revise it, you know, mm-hmm. to include everything that happened after I drafted it? And what I always say to them and what I often have to remind myself of is that I think what's exciting, one of, one of the things that is most exciting to me about the essays is, is that we are sort of um, writing about a very specific moment in time. It's like this little time capsule um, and it captures this, this moment, this feeling, this situation that we're in very much in that moment, at that time, in that place. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even if something changes, everything always changes. Um, you know, I'm always trying to just capture that moment. So even when edits of this essay came back to me, you know, months after I had written it, I was like, oh no, things have changed, (laughs) you know? Um, 
but I just wanted to be true to that moment yeah. and write, make sure that I was, I was still writing from that place, from that mindset alone in the woods, um, you know, in this really uncertain time, I didn't want, I didn't have any answers then. And, and honestly, I still don't, but I think, you know, my feelings and ideas have, have shifted or, or gotten more complex since then. Um, but I really wanted to capture that feeling of uncertainty of being in a place alone and writing about how, how uncertain everything was, like what it feels like mm -hmm. to be in limbo, to be separate, um, to be isolated and to be in a very specific limbo state. Um, so my, my hope was that it kind of, the, the whole essay felt like that, that we're just in this place of uncertainty and, and I don't leave you with any answers. I just say, here's the uncertainty, you take it now. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think that's why it really, it, it stuck my bones, you know, I, I felt it deep. So um, awesome. you did what you did what you wanted to do. Um, I also think there's something about th there's no there's not a lot of representation of like having that space in a relationship. Right. It's like you you meet and you either stay together forever or you break up and it's horrible. And like there's not there's not any room in the way that we talk about relationships to talk about the space that you need to take apart from each other, the space that you need to, you know, I don't know, you're just, you're not, you're always, it's, it's its own thing. It's its own, it's its own single thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think that that was really, um, I don't know, beautiful that you, you write about like, you know, loving John and, and wanting to be his partner and like wishing you get married, right. When you have that conversation with his mom. Um, and also knowing that like, there's a, a world where maybe your futures don't actually line up. Um, mm -hmm. And it was really beautiful for you to, to, to lay that out for other people to, to reflect into. Um, yeah. And, and you yeah. never say like, and it was a waste of time, <laughs> you know? No. Yeah. And it, and I think that that, that is, it's, it's such an important thing to, to explore and to like allow yourself the space to look at, you know? Um, I have friends who have been in, long, you know, committed partnerships, either married or not, you know, mostly queer folks, because uh, they're really good at this kind of thing, where like, they have like a state of the union, you know, every every year or a few years. And um, I love that idea of just, you know, uh, re, you know, communicating and, and, and also reestablishing um, definitions and um, boundaries and expectations and hopes and things like that. You know, I, um, we're in a monogamous relationship, but I've been in non-monogamous sort of more poly relationships. And um, I love, you know, um, thinking about relationships in a way that just allows for them to change, you know, mm -hmm. and, and to be redefined. Um, and just, it's so important to, to check in with your partner and with yourself, you know, to mm -hmm. make sure that the definitions and the, um, the modes of your relationship are still working for you, are still serving you both. Um, and I think that that gets lost in a lot of, you know, more like traditional, specifically heteronormative, but not just heteronormative partnerships. You know, you get married and then it's all good, right? You know, like we're going to be together forever, you know, and that's how things fall apart. Yeah. Get married, buy a house, have a baby, and right. then retire. <laughs> maybe do all the things and yeah. then it's going to be great it's and it's going to be fine and you know not to say that if you do all those things it can't be great and fine mm. and um, for a lot of people it is but I think you know that's one of the things that I was always pushing against um, when I saw this path growing up you know this is what these are the sort of milestones that everybody follows and these are the things we have to do and I just remember being really young and thinking like do we have to do all these things like why mm. why do we have do all these things and why does this mean success and um you know what, what does a life look like if we don't do these things and um I'm still thinking about that now yeah and <laughs> approaching or maybe specific may, maybe actually just in middle age god <laughs> I guess I'm there you know. <laughs> <laughs> it comes for us all yep <laughs> Inevitable. <laughs> Inevitable. If you are just tuning in, this is your chance to give us a call. Uh, we're running up to the last 15 minutes of the hour. Um, so we are talking to Melissa Fallov. Fall I really, I nailed it when we started. And you I really just did. haven't really. Um, okay. 
Falavino, Melissa Falavino, um, about her book Sex in the Single, or about her essay in the book Sex in a Single Woman. Um, if you have any thoughts about what we've been talking about, about relationships, about singledom, um, give us a call, 608-256-2001. We've got time for one or two callers. Um, but if you don't call, then I will continue to have my lovely conversation with Melissa. So you talk about... Um, in your essay, you talk about going and and offici- officiating a wedding, and the like complicatedness of not necessarily believing in the union, but like supporting your friends and in, in what they um, want to do. And I've been thinking a lot about you know, like as I said, I'm I'm engaged and I'm I'm, I'm supposed to, well, I'm getting married in October, which is very oh, wow. soon. So soon. Yes, it is very soon. And thank you, um, but. We don't really have like we, we're just kind of, as my partner likes to say, like we're we're married in our hearts already. <laughs> so the the wedding part is really, um, you know, it's going to be like a a tent in the backyard with some food and our immediate family, and um, we're going to have a friend do the ceremony, and he's building us an arch that we'll eventually like have in our in our backyard. Um, but really. It's, you know, I don't think we're going to walk down an aisle. I don't. We're going to do vows, but like TBD if we're going to do those in mm-hmm. front of people. Um, and I don't know. So like I think as you were envisioning facilitating this wedding, um, but not necessarily believing in the institution yourself. What like what what were you thinking of saying? Like, what did you what did you what? Did, yeah. What, what was your in your heart? Yeah, I mean, it was it was complicated, you know, my friend, um, a really good friend uh, who both my partner and I uh, uh, know really well. She's actually like the reason we met. Mm-hmm. Um, she asked me to officiate and she asked um, him to like stand up for her in, in, in the wedding. And, um, you know, at first when she asked me, I was like, uh, you know, I was honored, you know, and and um, of course I said yes. But I was like, oh, whoa, wait, wait, how, what does this mean ethically? You know, you know. Um, so in my process of writing, um, like my words for that day, I, I really was trying to, I was asking her and her partner, um, you know, why they wanted to get married, what it was about marriage that spoke to them. So I interviewed them both. I interviewed them together and separately, um, and asked them about like what it is about marriage that they, why they want it and, and, and what, why they wanted to marry each other. And um, because neither of them are, are, you know, traditional really in any way. And um, they both come from very different um, cultural backgrounds. And um, so they had kind of defined this, this wedding plan. Um, and, and it, I guess I just wanted to learn, you know, I wanted to learn from them about why they, why they wanted to do this. And over the course of talking to them and really thinking about what they were doing and why they were doing it. Um, all of these ideas that were kind of new to me back then, this was, you know, several years ago, actually right around the time that the marriage equality um, was passed. Mm-hmm. Um, I started thinking about this idea of like community and, um, you know, like the sort of like we took a communal vow at the wedding. They wanted that. Um, and sort of the ways that, you know, uh, a community or, or a family, you know, chosen or biological can support um, a partnership and, and how that can look. And that really excited me. Um, and, you know, it just sort of over the course of that process of writing that, um, that wedding, um, I just realized, you know, I wrote this in the essay, like, oh, I believe the words that I'm writing, you know, I'm writing about love and commitment and, um, community and um, work, you know, and and what it means to be a partner and everything that I was thinking about in writing was true. You know, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't just writing what I thought a a wedding ceremony should be or like regurgitating any, any of the sort of language from more traditional marriages. They didn't want any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But everything at the end of the day remained true, you know, that these people loved each other and they wanted to be with each other and they wanted to commit themselves to one another. And then they wanted, you know, this community of of friends and family um, to help them, you know, and I I found that really um, exciting. And um, so that that, that shows up in the essay. That that was kind of this catalyst where I was like, okay, so we can define this, you know, we can we can make 
of a partnership or a union, whatever we want it to be. And it does not have to fit into these structures. Um, if we don't want it to, um, it can be its own thing. Yeah. I feel like I, I, I feel like that's the thing that marriage equality, like the real bonus that it, it gave us, right? It's not, I mean, there's a lot of things that are really like practical that are important about marriage equality, right? Like if my partner's sick and I need to be there for them, like marriage is something that allows me to be that person. Um, right. <laughs> taxes, yeah. like, <laughs> I don't know, like I'm a freelancer. It's going to be easier to do my taxes with another person, you yes. know, all these things. Um, but then also the ability to like have all these different combinations of people who are are reinventing what a marriage looks like um, mm-hmm. is only is only good for all marriages, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Again, like the re- returning to this idea that like the more we sort of explore different avenues and options um, and the more we kind of do this work of, of thinking about the definitions and the, um, you know, the, the, the kinds of like self-defined structures that actually serve us, mm-hmm. you know, um, that don't serve an institution or, you know, say the patriarchy. <laughs> um, yeah. I think the better we'll all be and the, and hopefully, you know, the better we'll understand one another and allow for those mm-hmm. um, openings, you know. Yeah. I also I like the idea that um you know re what I'm what I picture you in your essay about you being a kid just like pushing away all the relationships around you is I like to imagine that as the relationships become broader and and marriages become um different there are are like you know moments that kids are able to see like this isn't a, a partnership that I would like to have someday or mm-hmm. not I mean I I think that it's also very true that I mean, sex and the single woman is also about, um, you know, some people don't want that kind of like don't want to be partnered. Right. right? Or right. want to be partnered to many people um, or want to be mostly partnered to themselves. I think that was like that's a an essay in this book yeah. um, that is really yeah. important, too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. There's no there's no one way. You there's, know? No, <laughs> there's no one way. There's no yeah. one way to get a man and keep him. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we are uh, starting to run out of time, um, but I wonder if you have any like final thoughts, like reflecting on writing this essay. It's been a couple years. You're um, doing your first reading in Madison about this essay, or I guess about this essay and also other things. Yes, is that is that yeah, the thing at rooms? Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you have any like reflect? I know you, you've reflected a lot. I've, I've made you reflect a lot, but is there anything that you <laughs> haven't right. reflected on yet um, of this? this essay that you have been thinking about? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like we covered a lot of ground, um, but but I do think that, you know, I, I, I always just kind of go back to this idea, like kind of this, the, 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 the thing that we were talking about, about like, you know, what I, what I sort of, how I advise my nonfiction students and, um, you know, about like allowing ourselves to live in, in the uncertainty of a moment or um, even in inside the uncertainty of ourselves, um, that there's so much to be found there. And, you know, we're obviously living in a time that is, you know, so terribly divisive and, um, you know, increasingly so it seems. And, and I just have, like, I have hope that, you know, if we write more and more from these places, you know, if, if more people write from these places, you know, maybe we might reach more people and and um, maybe some minds will be changed. I don't know. I woke up hopeful today. So yeah. it's just, you never know. Like some days it's, it's, it's the cynic, the cynical takes over and I'm like, nope, nothing will change. But, you know, maybe, you know, I, I have to, I have to sort of believe that if, the more people write from these places, the more other people will find new understandings. And um, I don't know, maybe. You, you woke up in your your childhood bedroom full of child-filled hope, maybe. <laughs> yes, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's it. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Um, yeah, I, I highly recommend this book, uh, "Sex and the Single Woman." Um, and if you are around Madison and you want to um, hear Melissa talk about 
just talk about things more um <laughs> read some stuff uh you can go to room of one's own at six uh on this friday i think it's the 12th yes um, yeah great friday the 12th at a room of one's own um melissa will be talking with Kay iver um who is a poet and just about 21st century singledom and if you uh are just joining us and you don't know who melissa is melissa felt foul Falavino. Wow, Falavino. Melissa Falavino. (laughs) (laughs) Melissa Falavino um, is the author of Tomboyland, which was named a best book in 2020. And I am going to read it now, and it'll be a best book of 2022 for me, I'm sure. (laughs) Um, And yeah, a beautiful short short story essay writer. Um, I am really happy that this this anthology brought your work into my life and um, this conversation brought a lot of good stuff into my life some rethoughts of of what partnership and singledom and marriage um, can look like in this this future um, so Melissa are you, are you getting married <laughs> <laughs> hard hitting yeah <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah I still don't know still, still don't, don't know. know you know no answers yet yeah um, the conversation changes you know all the time and uh just trying to to listen and to be open and uh and maybe 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 (laughs) maybe um we got a a few minutes left maybe i'll find a a good little passage to leave us on yeah if anyone has any burning questions questions. please call ask me anything yes Uh, all right. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, uh, read a little bit of the end and then I'm going to thank all my people. Um, there are a few things that I know that I want to make things for the world that might do some good, that I want to be near people I love, that I want a partner to walk beside me through the woods or a city street as long as life allows. I don't know if I'll be a mother. Maybe if my thoughts on marriages have, as, Maybe if my thought on marriage has changed, my thoughts on kids might too. Maybe they won't. I don't know. But I'm trying to be open to possibilities. I'm trying to embrace the unknown. I'm trying to trust the process. And I'm trying to have faith. I'm trying to hold on to this rope. And I'm trying to let go. That was um, from Melissa Falavino's Tied, Tethered, Unfeathered, Free in the uh, anthology Sex and the Single Woman Melissa will be at A Room of One's Own this Friday at 6 p.m. talking with Kay Iver, who is a poet. I have been Jada Siri Ramos on A Public Affair on this Monday. I have um, Sholly Pittman and Andrew. Yeah, Andrew. Andrew's first day. Uh, <laughs> uh, great job, Andrew. Rochelle producing the show. Thank you so much, Rochelle, for getting the show on uh, all... all uh, put together and, and out into the world. Up next, we have Madison Bookbeat with David Ahrens. I hope I said your name right, David. Ahrens, David Ahrens. Um, and he will be in conversation with mystery writer Patricia Schalke. Skalka, wow. You know what? <laughs> Everyone, I hope you have a great day and you pronounce your names correctly. Um, <laughs> uh, this is WORT 89.9 FM, Madison. Don't take no prisoners if you can't afford to feed none. Don't start no fights if you cannot predict the outcome. Don't make donations where you cannot get your dough back. The apathetic bullshit to send them all your Prozac. I will not climb into your telephone tree and hell no, you cannot put me on hold. It's the same recorded message you've been singing all along. Keep handing us the Bible while you're walking off with all the gold. The bureaucratic office sends you merry-go-rounding. While the KKK police the streets by bloodhounding. Interest on the credit card just keeps on compounding. But the FCC can never shut this pirate sound down. I'm indirect with common, never pre-reported. With information that will never be reported. Disregard the mainstream, media distorted. We come and listen and supported. Live indirect, we come and never pre